Chapter Two of the Albert Gate Mystery by Louis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Two. Mehmet Ali's note. Then he turned to Lord Fairholme. Just one question, he said, before I send you off to bed. No, you must not protest. I want you to meet me here this evening at seven, with your brain clear and your nerves restored by a good, sound sleep. We will dine, here or elsewhere, and act subsequently. But at this moment I want to know the name of the person most readily accessible, who can tell me all about Mr. Talbot's connection with the Sultan's agent. His sister, undoubtedly. Where can I find her? At Ulster Gardens. I will drive you there. The barrister smiled. You are going to bid, I tell you. Give me a few lines of introduction to Miss Talbot. The earl's face had brightened at the prospect of meeting his fiancée under the favourable conditions of Brett's presence. But he yielded with a good grace, and promptly sat down to write a brief note explanatory of the barrister's identity and position in the inquiry. The two parted at the door, and a hansom rapidly brought Brett to the residence of Sir Hubert Fitzjames. A stately footman took Reggie's card and its accompanying letter, placed them on a salver with a graceful turn of his wrist, which oddly suggested a similar turn in his nose, and said, "'Miss Talbot is not at home, sir.' "'Yes, she is,' answered Brett, paying the driver off the hansom. The footman deigned to exhibit astonishment here was a gentleman one obviously accustomed to the manners of society who declined to accept the courteous disclaimer of an unexpected visit miss talbot is not receiving visitors he explained exactly take that card and the letter to miss talbot and bring me the answer james was no match for his antagonist he silently showed the way into a reception-room and disappeared. A minute later he announced, with much deference, that Miss Talbot would see Mr. Brett in the library, and he conducted his mysterious visitor upstairs. On rejoining Buttons in the hall, he solemnly observed, "'That's a swell cop who's with the missus. Shining topper, buttonhole, buckskin gloves, patent leathers all complete footmen ain't in it with the force nowadays james expanded his magnificent waistcoat with a heavy sigh over this philosophical dictum the poignancy of which was enhanced by his knowledge that the upper housemaid had taken to conversing with a mounted policeman in the park during her afternoons off the apartment in which brett found himself gave ready indications of the character of its tenants todd's rajasthan jostled a volume of the badminton library on the bookshelves a copy of the allahabad pioneer lay beside the field and the times on the table and many varieties of horns made trophies with quaint weapons on the walls a complete edition of riskin and some exquisite prints of rossetti's best-known works supplied a different set of emblems whilst the room generally showed signs of daily occupation 
anglo-indian uncle artistic niece was the barrister's rapid comment but further analysis was prevented by the entrance of miss edith talbot the surprise of the pair was mutual brett expected to see a young pretty and clever girl vain enough to believe she had brains and sufficiently well endowed with that rare commodity to be able to twist the good-natured earl of fairholme around her little finger young not more than twenty unquestionably beautiful with the graceful contour and delicately balanced features of a portrait by romney edith talbot bore few of the marks that pass current as the outward and visible signs of a modern woman of society that she should be self-possessed and dressed in perfect taste were as obvious adjuncts of her character as that each face of her clear thought should reflect itself in a singularly mobile face to such a woman pretence was impossible the polite fictions of fashionable life impossible brett readily understood why the earl of fairholme had fallen in love with this fair creature he had simply bent in worship before a goddess of his own creed to the girl brett was equally a revelation fairholme's introductory note described the barrister as the smartest criminal lawyer in london one whose aid would be invaluable she expected to meet a sharp-featured wizened elderly man with gold-rimmed eyeglasses a queer voice and a nasty habit of asking unexpected questions in place of this commonplace personality she encountered a handsome well-groomed gentleman one who won confidence by his intellectual face and retained it by invisibly establishing a social equality fortunately there is yet in britain an aristocracy wherein good birth is synonymous with good breeding a freemasonry whose passwords cannot be simulated nor its membership bought brett read the wonder in the girl's eyes and hastened to explain the earl of fairholme said brett thought i might be of some service in the matter of your brother's strange disappearance miss talbot i am not a professional detective but my friends are good enough to believe that i am very successful in unravelling mysteries that are beyond the ken of scotland yard i have heard something of the facts in this present affair will you trust me so far as to tell me all that is known to you personally my uncle general fitzjames has just gone to scotland yard she began timidly quite so perhaps you prefer to await his return oh no i do not mean that but it is so hard to know how best to act uncle expects the police to accomplish impossibilities he says that they should long since have found out what has become of jack perhaps they may resent my interference my interference to be exact said reggie with the pleasant smile that had fascinated so many women even edith talbot was not wholly proof against its magic i personally have little faith in them she confessed i have none well i will do as you advise then i recommend you to take me into your confidence i know scotland yard and its methods we do not follow the same path i believe in you and trust you 
said the girl. So ingenuous was the look from the large, deep eyes which accompanied this declaration of confidence that many men would have pronounced Miss Talbot to be an experienced flirt. Brett knew better. He simply bowed his acknowledgments. "'What is it that you want to know?' she continued. "'We ourselves are no better informed than the newspaper as to what has actually happened, save that four men have been killed as the result of a carefully planned robbery. As for my brother—' she paused and strove hard to force back her tears your brother has simply vanished miss talbot if the criminals did not scruple to leave four dead men behind they would not draw the line at a fifth the clear inference is that your brother is alive but under restraint i can see that it is possible that he was alive until some time after the tragedy at albert gate but but what connection can jack have with the theft of diamonds worth millions these people used him as their tool in some manner why should they spare him when success had crowned their efforts we are conversing in riddles will you explain you know that my brother is an assistant under-secretary in the foreign office yes well early in september his chief placed him in charge of a special undertaking the sultan had decided to have a large number of rough diamonds cut and polished by the best european experts they were all magnificent gems exceedingly valuable it seems being rare both in size and purity but one of them was larger than any known diamond jack told me it was quite as big as a good-sized hen's egg both it and the others he said had the appearance of lumps of alum but the experts said that the smaller stones were worth more than a million sterling while the price of the large one could not be fixed no one but an emperor or sultan would buy it his excellency mehmet ali pasha was the especial envoy charged with this mission and he brought credentials to the foreign office asking for facilities to be given for its execution he and the two secretaries who accompanied him have been killed yes said brett whose eyes were fixed intently on the heathrug jack was given the special duty of looking after mehmet ali and his companions during their residence in london it was his business to afford them every assistance in his power to procure them police protection obtain for them the best advice attainable in the diamond trade and generally place at their disposal all the resources which the british government itself could command if it undertook such a curious task he had been with them about a month not hourly engaged you understand as once the preliminary arrangements were made he had little further trouble but he used to call there every morning and afternoon to see if he could render any assistance matters had progressed so favourably until the day before yesterday that in another month he hoped to see the last of them he was always saying that he would be glad when the business was ended as he did not like to be officially connected with the fate of a few little bits of stone that happened to be so immensely valuable did your brother call there as usual on monday afternoon said brett yes 
he came straight here from albert gate and had tea with uncle and myself he sat in the very chair and in the very position you now occupy i can remember him saying by jove the hen's egg that is what he used to call the big diamond is turning out in fine style he even discussed the possibility of bringing us to see the collection when it was finished and before it left this country did your brother say why the diamonds were brought to this country in the first instance yes the sultan and his advisers seemed to think the work of cutting them could be performed more safely and expeditiously here than anywhere else even the turk has a high regard for the manner in which law and order are maintained in britain yet the sequel has shown that the diamond and their guardians were perhaps in greater danger here than they would have been in constantinople was that the only reason said brett who had apparently made up his mind with reference to the pattern of the carpet and was now gazing into the bright fire which danced merrily in the gate for the day though fine was chilly the girl wrinkled her brows in thought before she answered i think i do remember jack saying that he believed there was some state business mixed up in the affair but i am quite sure he did not know the exact facts himself can you recollect any of the special precautions taken to protect the gems your brother may have mentioned some details in conversation you know oh i think i know all about them in the first instance the house at albert gate had previously been tenanted by a rich banker and it was well defended by all ordinary means against the attacks of ordinary burglars but in addition to this before the diamonds left the safe at the bank of england the building was practically torn into pieces inside by workmen acting under the direction of the commission of police it was absolutely impossible for anyone to enter except through the front door unless they flew out of the second-story window servants and workmen like everybody else had to use this door alone as the windows and doors in the basement had been bricked up inside the entrance hall there were always twelve policemen and an inspector in charge everyone who left the house was searched by the inspector on duty and jack used to say that he was very glad he invariably insisted upon this examination although the police were at first disinclined to meet his wishes in the matter he being so to speak their direct superior for the time beneath the entrance hall were rooms occupied by several turkish and other servants mehmet ali himself in the presence of his secretaries used to open the door leading to the suite of apartments in which the diamond cutters worked and two of the turkish gentlemen would remain there all day until the men left in the evening the envoy and both secretaries used to meet jack when he visited the place and for the last three weeks he had nothing to do but to see the diamonds cut them drink an excellent cup of coffee and smoke a wonderful cigarette made of some special turkish tobacco cultivated and prepared only for the imperial household ah sighed brett with a note of almost unconscious envy in his voice he knew exactly what that coffee and those cigarettes would be like i beg your pardon he went on 
perceiving that miss talbot did not understand his exclamation will you tell me as nearly as you can the occurrences of monday evening they were simple enough said the girl my brother dined at home we had one or two guests and were all in the drawing-room about ten fifteen when a note came for him from mehmet ali i know exactly what was in it i looked over his shoulder whilst he read it the words were i wish to see you to-night on important business come if possible at once i have to tell you that it was in french but this is an exact translation your brother was quite sure that it was from mehmet ali himself said brett quite sure was the reply he knew his handwriting well having had several communications from him during the progress of the business did your brother leave the house immediately asked brett that instant he went downstairs put on his overcoat and hat and got into a cab with the messenger who brought the note do you know who this messenger was one of the policemen on duty in the house itself a slight pause ensued and brett was about to take his departure having no further questions to ask at the moment when some one was heard hastily ascending the stairs talking to a companion as he advanced this is my uncle exclaimed miss talbot rising to go to the door before she could reach it an elderly gentleman entered bearing upon him all those distinguishing tokens that stamp a man as a retired major-general he exclaimed impetuously i have brought a gentleman from scotland yard my dear then he caught sight of brett who is this edith was about to explain when another man entered a strongly built bullet-headed man with keen eyes and firm mouth and a curious suggestion in his appearance of having combined pugilism with process serving as a professional means of existence his face extended into a smile when his eyes fell upon the barrister ah mr brett he cried now we have something to do that is up to your mark you are on the spot first as usual but this time i can honestly say that i am glad to see you sir hubert fitzjames glanced in astonishment from his niece to the barrister he could find nothing better to say than this my dear is mr winter of scotland yard End of chapter two